We are live. All right. So today is February 15th, 2022. Day after Valentine's Day. And this is your weekly Wednesday show. <laughs> Still get a kick out. <laughs> and we are streaming on, what are we streaming on? We got Discord, we got Facebook, we got Twitter, YouTube. I think that's it. Facebook, uh, Discord, Twitter, YouTube. Yep. You got it. Make sure Facebook is working. Yep. It's live right now. Let's open that up. And I'll turn off the audio. And the cat should be here, but I don't know where, what are you doing. So he might join us momentarily. But uh, if not, we will continue on. Because this week's title is uh, Polycub Audit and Prepping for Final Launch, which is an exciting title. So <laughs> last week, you had told us that um, the the drop dead date for 30k they gave you was uh was yesterday the 14th right so why don't you i know everybody's gonna be wondering about that <laughs> so why don't you tell us what's going on there yeah so um so we and uh you know for our for our large audience currently in discord i will drop a uh, <laughs> little alpha alpha screenshot um we got our report back last night as promised um and uh it includes 29 findings for um for their preliminary audit so they, they delivered the audit report to us yesterday and uh and essentially when they give you the preliminary audit um you get you get these findings and there's typically a lot of them so when we did cub we probably had about a similar amount 29 or so um and when you get these preliminary, uh, you know, issues and findings that they want you to to address, you you take those findings and obviously we go to our dev team and then we we start looking at, at Polycub and and obviously we did it for Cub before, but now we're looking at Polycub and we go through their. It's basically like a it's almost like a checklist, right? So we go through their checklist. We say, okay, you have uh, like one. Their first one is unknown implementation of interfaces. So this is just like a logical issue. They classified it as informational, so it's not actually an issue it's more just that they don't have a certain amount of information that they need so then we need to provide that information to them um and obviously you can see this breakdown if you're in discord right now um but the you know the findings were two critical ones nine major ones and then everything else is minor or informational um and when it comes to these critical issues we don't have any any like critical contract errors which would obviously be it would create a lot of a lot of uh you know development time for us um, so I was, I've obviously already read through all their reports and, uh, really these, these critical issues are more, um, logical issues. So like one of them has to do with the reward token, uh, line in the contract. And really that's just flipping around a couple words. So, um, so I'm pretty happy with, with their audit report and how it came back. Cause it's, it's really just going to be like a quick bullet point list that we can go through. And I was telling Neil, before we started recording, I think it's, you know, maybe one to three days of, of dead time for us to to go through and fix this stuff um, and just kind of run through their checklist. So um, they, they delivered the audit as promised on the 14th, a little bit later than, than the original date, but that's fine. Um, so I'm happy that we've got this audit. I'm, I'm feeling like we're making actual progress now because we've, we basically had Polycup ready for the past pretty much since the start of this year. So 
um, we've really just been sitting on the whole platform, just kind of waiting now for, for Certicay. And now that we have it, I think we're, we're, uh, we're getting sooner, sooner. We're getting ever sooner with, with the passing days. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to finally have Polycub, Polycub out. I was, I was just telling Neil too, before we started recording that having Polycub release is just going to be a big, uh, big weight off my shoulders. Uh, feel like I've been working on it forever. So. Um, and I'm, I've been really excited about the platform and, and we're talking about the long-term vision and, and, uh, the sustainability of Polycub. And, and I think it's, I think it's a very mathematically intense, uh, platform with, you know, really great tokenomics. I'm, I'm so excited about, you know, the tokenomics and how we've kind of merged all of these cool ideas from DeFi 2.0, from even from ThorChain with the incentive pendulum um and the, the bonding and then you know from the sushi and and curve type platforms we've integrated um the x poly cup contract so it, it's it's kind of like this this culmination of a lot of different platforms that i've spent time investing and in researching um and and that's what really excites me is just kind of like seeing this all play out and and uh seeing where we're at you know one month from now 12 months from now 18 months from now um and uh, and yeah, my free BTC just said in Discord. Hope you don't forget about Cub after Polycub launches. <laughs> yeah, it's well. That's the thing is that is that Cub and Polycub are are linked. So it's you know the tokens aren't the same, but the platforms are are linked and they're they're extremely vital to each other. Um, and what's kind of interesting is that they're actually connected through Leo Bridge. So the value actually stems from it stems all the way down. So it's you know when you have Polycub launch, you're creating that B Leo pool or sorry, the Pleo pool, and you're incentivizing it. And then you've got the Bleo pool on Binance Smart Chain, and you're still incentivizing it with Cub. And then they're linked with Leo Bridge. Um, and there's just a lot of interesting, there's a lot of interesting crossover that happens there. And then obviously we've taken, you know, the bonding contracts from Polycub and all that stuff, and we've integrated them on Cub. So um, that, that stuff just hasn't gone live yet. Um, but I, I was actually telling Neil about this too, before we started recording that the cub bonding will launch shortly after polycub launches. Um, so that's cub bonding on Binance Smart Chain. Um, and then, you know, there's some other other key changes that we're making right around the time of polycub going live. And uh, obviously all that stuff will be announced in this universe when it when it eventually happens. But uh, it's it's exciting stuff. I've I've uh, I've essentially spent the last seven months designing a lot of this stuff and implementing it. So I'm, uh, I'm incredibly excited just to have it, have it out and live in the world and, and see what it does as a living, breathing thing. Cause right now it's been an idea for the community, right? We've just had this idea. We've, we kind of have a, we've talked about it so many times, but, um, when it's actually live, it, it changes everything. So that, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely interesting. So, uh, another, another, point i wanted to hit on and, and welcome cat to uh <laughs> yeah i got distracted with uh real estate related stuff <laughs> no worries um so before before we hit the record button we were also talking a little bit about about that protocol owned uh, uh value so uh as we've seen over the past i don't know two weeks three weeks uh in the DeFi universe um there have been issues <laughs> there have been issues of two fundamental different kinds. So issue type one, like we've seen with the Wonderland and, and um, 
you know, that whole crew of, of stuff um, where, you know, like it's a DAO, it's, you know, sort of, um, <laughs> sort of decentralized, sort of just in the control of one or two people. Um, so, so that's, that's one set of issues uh, as far as like, you know, who will actually be able to implement, uh, you know, change on the platform. Uh, the other issue though, is that just a general, uh, you know, market correction that we've seen over the past few weeks, you know, a lot of these DAOs have dropped, you know, dramatically in price, you know, so, so Klima, you know, was, was one of the first, um, you know, DAO forks, uh, went from 3,500 and now I think it's like 25 bucks, something like that. And, you know, that's mainly because the, their treasury assets, you know, they're still there. They didn't run off with them or anything, but they just became worth less. Um, so the value of the outputting thing became lower. So, you know, what's your take on, on that over time for, uh, both for Polycub and now that Cub is going to have bonding as well, you know, on that side. Yeah. So I, I think, I think what's interesting about the way our platform is set up is that it's not all based around protocol and liquidity, right? Like it's, you know, that, that is a key piece of the platform, but it's not everything. Um, and, um, you know, obviously we've seen Cub play out and, and we've seen it, you know, actually it's been kind of a stable coin in this drop uh, in the markets. It, it really hasn't, it really hasn't dropped much below where, where, it's, where it's been at uh, since before the crash um, of Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin losing like 50% of its value. Um, so what I think is interesting is that, is that we've got this, this hardcore community. And then when you combine that with the protocol and liquidity, um, uh, there's this certain, this certain loyalty that's there. Um, and this, this understanding in, in the idea that we all kind of believe that, that Bitcoin is going to go up in the long run. So, um, you know, let's just say there is a market correction and the, the protocol and liquidity is owning, you know, it owns a lot of Bitcoin. Um, you know, there may be a short-term drop in, in the value, but then I think a lot of us understand that, that what's happening when the value is lower is that it's still earning more Bitcoin. So the, the protocol treasury is just going to continue to grow in terms of Bitcoin. Um, and eventually when the market goes up, it'll be exponential, you know, exponential value will get added to, to Polycub and Cub, um, through that protocol and liquidity, um, and the, you know, I think the other interesting aspects are that kingdoms um, on Polycub will uh, that 10% um, harvesting fee on all the all the kingdom compounding actually goes into protocol controlled value and it sits in that treasury and continues to grow. So it's kind of like this exponentially growing value that will always be there. Um, and it's obviously a mix of the kingdoms. So it's going to be stable coins, it's going to be uh, Ethereum, it's going to be Bitcoin. Um, and then obviously the treasury will hold, uh, polycub, uh, you know, USDC positions, um, from the, uh, from the cub, uh, the polycub bonding. So, um, I just think it's like this interesting basket of assets is going to be in that protocol control value and through kingdoms earning, you know, obviously earning their, uh, 10% management fee. And then also, um, you know, the protocol controlled value actually LPing those assets and earning yield on its own. I think all that stuff combined just makes for an interesting um, dynamic where, um, you know, we'll see, you know, as a market corrects, maybe you'll see a little correction just based on that protocol control value. People will see that, you know, the protocol 
owns less dollar value, you know, in terms of dollars, but it still owns the same amount of Bitcoin. And actually in a bear market or at least in a lower market, it'll actually earn more Bitcoin so that in a bull market, it'll, it'll take off that much more. Um, so I think all that stuff combined is very interesting. I also think that the model we've designed where Polycub just continually drops its inflation over time um, is extremely interesting in the long run because what we're doing is we're front loading the inflation to incentivize people to LP and to grow that protocol owned liquidity. Um, so obviously all that early inflation is gonna be used for bonding and it's gonna be used to grow the protocol controlled value uh, through TVL on kingdoms. Um, so by, by front loading all of that, we're, we're building that massive treasury um, and that will continue to compound itself. And then in the long run, every single month, Polycub's inflation goes down. Um, and then eventually you've got that pr protocol control value so high that it, that it's actually earning yield above that inflation rate. Um, and who knows when that could happen. That could happen six months from now. It could happen 12 months from now. It could be 18 months from now, but when it does happen, I think it'll be one of those things that, that I'm really excited to see, which is just like an interesting, uh, tokenomic makeup where, um, you know, you've just got, you just essentially have had this protocol treasury that's continually bolstering the value of Polycub um, and kind of, kind of turning it almost into like a Bitcoin type of token where, um, you know, the inflation rate eventually is, is pretty much ending and, and that treasury is continually buying uh, Polycub and, and taking it off the market. Um, so I just, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think Polycub is going to be the type of token where it actually just continues to go up with time. Um, and uh, obviously we have to see that play out, but I, I do believe that the mechanics and the math behind it that we designed will, will make that happen. So um, I'm very, very interested to see what happens. That plays into a simpler question that I have, and it's the uh, more fundamental one that plays out with regardless of what it is you create or start. Do we have any potential new capital that we're expecting to come on into these new projects? Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting behind the scenes um, stuff that I've been working on uh, in terms of, you know, encouraging outside outside capital in like in various forms, because you can encourage outside capital just in crypto, which is, you know, just you call them retail and they're just out there and you want to encourage them to come into the platform, obviously. Um, but then there's also all this capital. And I think Splinterlands has shown, you know, just locally on Hive, um, how much capital you can go out and get from like more of a VC type, um, you know, where there's more of this like private equity capital that you can tap into. Um, and um, I have been talking to a lot of people about, about stuff like that and getting into Polycub and kind of explaining to them this vision of, you know, it could take six months, it could take 12 months, it could take 18 months, it could take 24 months. But the, the end result of Polycub is this massive uh, protocol owned liquidity um, that eventually flips inflation and you kind of create this deflationary token uh, environment where the treasury would buying Polycub off the market uh, and LPing it. So it creates that deep, that ever deepening liquidity for Polycub-USDC and kind of turns it into that deflationary model. Um, you know, and obviously it, it could take two years, but eventually it'll happen. Uh, it's more just a matter of time. Um, and, and the, really the, the, the way to gauge that success. And I think a lot of people will be asking questions like this when it first starts. Um, the way to gauge the success of Polycub is going to be to just watch that protocol on liquidity and see how large it gets in the beginning, because it's going to, it's all front loaded. So you want to see it grow a lot in the beginning, 
because um, obviously as inflation starts to drop, you know, six months from now, um, the treasury won't grow as fast. Um, so I think that the treasury's growth will be playing hand in hand with the inflation. So, um, you know, that's all going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But but those 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 VCs and those private investors, and then also the retail and crypto need to understand, you know, the, the math behind the platform. And, and, uh, you know, we've been working on infographics and all sorts of stuff, trying to, trying to kind of explain that vision to see, you know, what you're trying to get is you're trying to get people to buy into that vision that one day it's going to flip and you're going to be holding this token that's earning, you know, a high yield, but, um, you know, sustainably, and, uh, it's all based around that protocol and liquidity. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, if we can imagine a future state where the earnings from the from the protocol own value plus the earnings from the kingdom management's management fees will once that gets to be higher than the inflation rate of the core token then the buybacks will be net deflationary and that theoretically should raise the price yep and then one day when uh you know, obviously that inflation rate keeps dropping. One day it, it will be done. And then, you know, Polycub will be completely minted. And a lot of people have asked what happens at that, you know, that future date. And essentially what's going to happen is that instead of the protocol and liquidity buying back Polycub and, and building deepening uh, Polycub-USDC liquidity, um, it'll actually start to pay back the Polycub. So it'll start using its earnings to buy Polycub and then pay it back to the kingdoms and to uh, Polycup stakers. Um, so that's kind of, so people have asked, you know, what happens when inflation is gone? Because obviously with these farming platforms, the inflation is what drives the capital. Um, you know, if you don't have inflation, then you don't have APY. Um, so what happens um, in the future is that, you know, that inflation is completely done. Polycub is completely minted, kind of like how Bitcoin has its, you know, 21 million end date. Um, you know, that, that end date exists for Polycub. And then you've got that protocol on liquidity that is actually uh, paying APY. And if you want to see a real world example of that, um, you can kind of look at auto farm. They've, they've got a similar model, not exactly what we're doing, but, but something kind of like that, where there is no more auto farm being created. Um, and they are paying back, uh, they're paying yield in the form of the auto token, but they're buying it back with, with management fees. So, um, there's a, there's a similar model there, but instead of just management fees, we're actually using management fees plus that protocol on liquidity uh, yield um, plus the X polycub yield. So it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, like I said, I've, I've had plenty of time to sit and think about all this stuff while we've been waiting for soon to become now. And soon is almost now. Plenty of time to go on a money raising tour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this, uh, my theory probably for the rest of my life and that it really doesn't matter whether you have the best product. It matters if you can get people to get into it. So in the end, more than half of the success on anything comes down to either marketing hype or whatever it is, because yeah. you can have the third best product and still have the most popular, most used product. And we've seen that over and over and over especially in the last 20 years with technology. Um, you may have touched on it before I jumped on, but I'm curious. So the CERTIC findings, you got the, you know, the issues to cover. So is it at a point where now you're taking that list 
rectifying those things and then we push forward or is it go back yeah. to them after that's done? So, yeah. So the way it works is it's kind of like a checklist. So um, like a punch list, we're, we're basically just taking that punch list and going down the, you know, going down it and saying, okay, this is what they want. So some of those pieces are just information. So we literally just send them a paragraph of text yeah. and this is the information you wanted. And here it is. Uh, other ones are, oh, we want you to fix this, this line in your code. It's, it's worded strangely. Um, so those are kind of, kind of those, those critical ones are basically lines in code that they just want the words flipped around just for, for logic purposes. Um, so, uh, we're basically just going down that punch list. And then once we've, you know, there's what 29 on there. Um, so once we've got all 29, you know, solved, we'll go back to 30 K and say, you know, basically they sent us like, how many pages is this report? Um, they sent us a 46 page report. So we basically go through this report and then we send them back our own report that kind of goes through their whole list. Um, and then, and we did this already for Cub. Um, if anyone remembers, you know, right after Cub launch, we did this entire process. Obviously it was a little bit smaller because, um, you know, Cub wasn't as complicated as PolyCub is with all these different contracts. Um, so we go through the list, we send them back our report, then they look at our report, they look at the, the newly updated contracts um, that we deploy. And then, you know, if they're satisfied, they, they basically check off all of their, their 29 findings and say that we satisfied all of them by doing X, Y, and Z. And then they upload that report to CertiK's website. So then anyone can find it. Uh, and then we go live and that's it. Cool. So, I mean, I think the question that uh, most people have is how long is that turnaround? Because if you're is when? doing, like if you're doing those things and then you have to submit it to CertiK again, then we're back to waiting on CertiK. Yeah, I well the the good news is that these punch list things are actually very quick. I remember with with Cub it was like a one day thing. Like I I released the uh, our report to them and then they took it back to their devs um and they got back to me the same day just later in the day. Um, gotcha. so so the good news is that the the hard the long waiting period is actually because they take forever just to start your audit. Um so they probably oh, only, sure. they probably just started our audit like 10 or 15 days ago. Um, and it's just because we were sitting in a queue waiting to be yep. pushed forward. So, uh, really the, the turnaround time now is not, not high. Yeah. The only lesson from that is there's a need for like 10 more of these companies and there's easy money to be made. But, uh, I, I personally don't know any devs that want to do this work for me. So otherwise I'll start an <laughs> auditing company. There's that. So cat, cat contract audit. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, um, yeah, so there, so I mean, obviously, Polycub was, was the big thing that everybody was waiting on or has been waiting on, but you know, because we had that, that deadline yesterday, uh, everybody wanted an update there. Um, you know, the Hive Stats uh, new version rolled out. Uh, I've seen a bunch of posts, people posting about it. They seem to like it. Um, have there been any snags or, or anything with that? Um, not, not anything major. We've had some small bug fixes. Um, so, so for anyone who didn't know, we launched the new hive stats and it's a completely rebuilt website. So if you, if you go to it and you've ever been to the old one, it looks a lot different. Um, and it feels a lot different. It's, it's way faster. Um, and it's just more, it's basically just more modern in pretty much every way. Um, and, uh, and we've added some cool features that people have requested for a while, you know, even small things like dark mode. Um, 
you know, all sorts of features that, that the community has wanted. Um, and since going live, there really hasn't been anything, anything that has caused any major issues. We just had some small, uh, minor bug fixes that we've deployed. Um, so that's, that's really, that's really it. It's, it's working really well. Uh, we haven't had any downtime or anything. So, um, I definitely, I definitely love the, love the UI and, and I use hive stats a lot on, especially on my phone, just to kind of check in on, on various things, but, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan and we did a, um, so if you missed it, we did a, uh, writing contest in the launch day post, which was five days ago. So, uh, there's still basically two days left. If you want to, if you want to write about hive stats, so there's a 500 Leo giveaway. If you write a post about hive stats, um, obviously put hive stats in the tags. Um, and then, uh, you know, kind of talk about, talk about the new platform. It's, basically just like write a review about the new hive stats. Uh, and then, you know, if you, if you want some bonus brownie points, then, then give us some valuable feedback that we can include in D5 and, and uh, you know, talk about the features that you wish were there. Um, and then we're, we're using Leo.voter to curate all those entries. And then we're also gonna pick uh, five of the top uh, posts and give them a hundred liquid Leo. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I've seen, I don't know. I, I I want someone to go through and tally up how many how many entries we've gotten, but it's it's definitely a lot. I see posts about hive stats now pretty much everywhere. Um, so we've definitely gotten a lot of entries, um, and uh, and yeah. So the curators are currently going through all of those, um, and the launch was. I'd say that that launch was very smooth. One of our smoothest launches. Um, the cross because we we had to actually. We had to actually delete, not delete, but like take down the old hive stats and then redeploy a whole new server for the new hive stats and then hook up all the DNS and everything. And and I think there was only about an hour downtime between, you know, taking down the old hive stats and putting up the new one. So uh, it was a very smooth uh, transition uh, as we launched it. So um, hopefully people are excited and using it. I've, I've seen the, so we have simple analytics set up on on hive stats and, and you can see the uh, the, the little bump in users that it's gotten. So definitely look forward to, uh, to growing that more. Um, and, um, you know, the long-term vision and roadmap for hive stats is very interesting, especially with, uh, you know, with the, with kind of that, um, the, uh, the freemium model that we're going with where, you know, all these features that you've got right now are going to be free. Uh, but then we're going to start adding more deep analytics and, you know, some more personalized things uh, that you can burn Leo to get access to uh, every month. So kind of like a subscription model uh, using Leo um, as the, uh, as the payment token. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, and, uh, and obviously it's a, it's a major, it's a major portal to get people from Hive to Leo and, you know, hopefully over time Hive is attracting more users and especially with apps like Splinterlands that are attracting more users and, and uh, we're going to add a lot of Splinterlands features uh, to Hive Stats, which will which will make you know tracking your tracking your accounts, tracking your rentals and stuff uh, so much easier, and and uh, and all that stuff is going to play into kind of funneling people from other apps into into Leo Finance apps because uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of apps, and uh, <laughs> and uh, that's only going to continue to grow, and and our apps are only going to continue to get better. So that's great. Um, you know, you said, you said, you know, there's been minimal 
minimal downtime with uh, high stats. On Leo, though, we've been, still been seeing intermittent stuff. So what's going on there? Yeah, so that's a good uh, that's a good point for a for a good status update. So um, if you remember, I think it was about two weeks ago, we were we were dealing with a lot of headaches in terms of the UI. It was actually it started three weeks ago, um, and uh, we were dealing with a lot of headaches with the UI. And a lot of it was lightning related. Um, so we deployed a new version of lightning and it was not very stable. Um, so we were, you know, we were kind of going back and fixing a lot of that stuff. Um, and then more recently we hired uh, a new team member. Um, so he is DevOps uh, specific. So basically going through uh, our servers and making sure that they're, you know, like he's been doing a lot of work where he's been cleaning up various servers. Um, and uh, I'm just looking at some of the stuff he sent me. Um, you know, looking at downtime and looking at one one major issue that he found were uh, with requests to Lightning. So he actually found that that there was an attack on Lightning um, where requests were getting through that that obviously shouldn't have been there, and they were there. It was basically like a DDoS attack on on the Lightning server. They were they were making all sorts of GET requests that that uh, that shouldn't have been there, and uh, and so we added certain blocking features where now only the Leo Finance server can. And request those, uh, you know, request those links. Um, so that's obviously, you know, that's something we probably should have built in from the beginning, but it just wasn't an issue at first. So um, that's definitely been uh, been a big help. The next thing that we're so the thing that he's currently working on now is adding um, uh, more tracking to Lightning. So he's adding um, uh, basically basically. He's basically creating us like a little dashboard where we can track all of the requests and the, um, you know, the, the usage and the data on Lightning to make sure that if the server is getting overloaded, it'll alert us and then we can see where it's getting overloaded and how we can fix it. Um, because essentially the, the process for fixing all these issues has been, oh, there's the websites down, we need to go through all the servers and look for what's wrong. Um, and that takes time and, and a lot of that time to, to figure out you know, where's the problem, then we got to figure out a solution, then we got to implement it. And then, you know, two days later, there's another problem, the site goes down, and we restart that process. So what he did is clean up a lot of the issues that we were having, and then now implementing that, that dashboard where we can quickly see what's wrong and pinpoint it and then implement a fix and then see that fix go through in real time and see how it's affecting the, the data, uh, the data flow and, and make sure that it's all working. So um, another team member and uh, the, the team continues to expand. So um, it's uh, really Leo finance has been, and I talked about this a lot in that, in that 2021 uh, recap, you know, that, that three, that three post recap that I did. Uh, but the, the uh, you know, we've really just been expanding everything because uh, it may not look like it, but, but Leo finance has just grown uh, disproportionately over 2021. So we've needed to scale our servers, scale, uh, the team and what we're capable of, of handling and, and uh, DevOps was, was definitely something that we lacked. Um, so I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we were able to, uh, to find this new team member and just kind of, kind of build our way, build our way toward a more, more uh, expansionary, you know, I guess, I guess kind of an interesting term in crypto is the scalability term, but scalability doesn't just apply to, to a blockchain. It applies to a team and, and what we're able to do. So we've really, reached a new level of scalability. Sounds good. Yeah, so I mean, all that makes it sound like that, um, you know, any kind of downtime will 
continue to de decrease over time and things are things will work better as we go yeah which is good yeah and I, I hope yeah i hope most people have seen that you know there's been down like the you know if you go back three weeks ago the downtime was really bad it was you know hours and i think at one point it was like even more than a day uh when it was really bad uh, and we were basically rebuilding the lightning server um so i hope that people see you know the downtime is a lot smaller now because we're just kind of you know we have someone who's actually dedicated now to fixing that downtime so uh the downtime should be a lot uh the turnaround on that downtime should be a lot faster um and then once this dashboard is done and, and we're able to to monitor uh, the servers and everything and just kind of pinpoint those issues that the downtime should be either non-existent or very, uh, very fast turnaround. So, um, yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm excited about that. All right. Uh, Marco is asking, is there, I'm talking about hive stats, uh, back to that. Is there a way to add beneficiaries to the author rewards? From what I've seen, they are not counted anywhere except the graph of HP. Any way to add beneficiaries to author rewards? Interesting. Um, like, see. if you're if you're the beneficiary, or I if think you have other beneficiaries take it away. Yeah, your, your earnings. I guess yeah. Okay. There's two points to that. Is there any way to add beneficiaries? To well, I mean, he's saying that they're counted in the graph of HP, so I'm assuming it's receiving. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so. I don't know. Yeah, he's we don't have that now. Like so, I mean, I guess. I guess it's cool to see the breakdown of, you know, where those rewards are coming from, but that's, that sounds like a whole nother level of, uh, information and programming. Yeah. Um, um we may while be able waiting, to do something. Well, we're waiting on clarity from him, uh, as far as high stats go, and I have to dig more into it. Um, I haven't really looked at any of the high stat uh, review posts. Um, although I've, although I voted on them, <laughs> I haven't actually read them. Um, but am I missing something? Because when I go to Hive Stats, like it's great for Hive Stats, but like where are the Leo stats? Um, yeah, there's there's not a ton yet. Um, so so really, we took the old Hive Stats and the features that it had, and we kind of migrated it into this new new uh, you know platform that we built from scratch, um, yep. which obviously lets us add a lot of a lot of future future stuff. Um, so with with the Leo stuff, I do want to add. I essentially want to take what we've got with this with this. Uh, if you look at the analytics tab with the seven days, thirty days, you can see you know your account growth and stuff. Um, I think one of our next major feature releases will be the same account growth chart, uh, but tracking your Leo instead of your your Hive power. Um, and we'll kind of have a little toggle there where you can track your Leo and your Hive growth. Um, gotcha. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure so. I wasn't crazy. Yeah, no, there's not a lot of Hive Engine tracking yet. Um, obviously, dealing with Hive Engine stuff is a little bit more, a little bit more hairy than dealing with uh, with Hive stuff. It's a little less clean. Um, oh, absolutely. So, yeah, so we're working on a lot of that stuff. We're also going to integrate some more BSwap uh, features. So, um, you know, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. And I, and I guess this is a decent segue into um, what we're working on next, uh, which is going to be Leo Dex. Um, so we're actually rebuilding Leo Dex because it's going to support, um, and I've talked about this a long time ago, you know, as a theory, but um, the next version of Leo Dex is going to be basically like Hive Stats. We're kind of rebuilding it. Um, and then we're going to build out the framework uh, for ThorChain integration. So, um, you know, obviously 
you know, some of the major things happening on the Leo front is that we're, we're going to migrate Wrapped Leo from Uniswap to ThorChain. Um, and with that migration, we want to have a ThorChain uh, version of Leo Dex uh, live. So uh, you'll be able to use ThorChain, but use it through Leo Dex. And ThorChain actually has this interesting referral feature where, um, so like interfaces like ThorSwap are not built by the ThorChain core dev team. They're built by a separate ThorSwap team. Um, so our ThorChain interface will actually um, earn its own referral rewards in the same way that ThorSwap does um, for, for any trading that happens on the, on the UI. So uh, there's going to be some interesting, there's going to be some interesting stuff happen with, with, uh, with LeoDex um, so when we integrate ThorChain. Speaking of LeoDex, we have a question on, on YouTube about it. Uh, are there any plans to revamp and maybe add the diesel pools um, for, you know, Hive Engine like we see on DSwap? Yeah, so so this new this um, what I'm talking about is this new version of Leo Dex, kind of like li kind of literally what we did with Hive Stats, where we took the old Hive Stats and we kind of just scrapped it and then built a brand new one. Um, but obviously, we were able to use some of the frameworks, so it didn't take as long. Um, we're gonna do the same thing with Leo Dex and build a completely revamped version, um, and we are gonna integrate uh, some diesel pool features and uh, and then obviously ThorChain. Um, and uh, and some potentially some other features that that you will have to see in this universe. <laughs> All right. Um, another question: Are you for Polycup? Is there going to be a Polycup PBO liquidity pool? Um, there's not going to be a pool that is, at least not at launch. There's not going to be a Polycup dash PBO pool, but there is going to be a PBO dash Matic. Uh, pool so indeed i've been stacking yeah. for it from for months <laughs> liquid leo and liquid matic yeah. so speaking of polycob and things tied to that ido number two yeah ido number two is slated for after polycob um i don't want to take any of the uh you know any of the dev attention or or really the community's focus away from polycob so um we really just just slated that for after Polycub. Cool. No, I know you mentioned that before, but obviously, you know, it's still a quote unquote third party. So I don't know what right. that situation is. Clearly, they seem to be okay with uh, chilling out. Yeah, yeah. So is that's... this is that is that something where they have uh, their own community or anything or? Um, they do have. They have another tool that they have um, for. Um, Finance Smart Chain, um, so they have a little community, but it's not very not very large at all. Um, so I mean, they're they're comfortable waiting because they're kind of playing off of our community. And I have convinced them. I think I mentioned this. I don't remember how long ago. I mentioned this in another another AMA that I I convinced them that they should do some sort of airdrop to Hive uh, power holders. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you know, you know, we we want to see them have have a large scale basically a large scale community outside of Leo. And I think one of the best ones to tap into will be Hive. Um, Cause I think a lot of Hive users actually haven't used Cub ever. Um, so I think it'll be interesting for them to, uh, to kind of go into IDEO number two um, because they're going to get this massive airdrop to all Hive power holders. And then, uh, um, you know, I've told them to kind of look into some NFT, uh, you know, while they essentially, while they wait, just kind of build out their, their, you know, essentially their launch plan and, and what they can do with uh, finding like an NFT community uh, and collaborating with them. Um, 
So, so I think all of that will be, uh, it'll be interesting. And the price of Cub just jumped 12%, I think. That's, That's super random. Somebody's, somebody's excited. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe crypto's going up. Bitcoin's uh, starting to look like the uh, pattern that I was uh, talking about last week for bullish price action. Yeah. Liquid is asking, uh, this is a question I can answer. Matic will be needed for gas on Polycup, correct? And that is correct. Uh, Matic is the gas token for anything on Polygon. So any operation you need, you need to spend Matic in order to make it happen. How has... It's not, uh, a, it's not a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super... Matic, nice. Matic is super cheap, even cheaper than... I mean, I think Binance Smart Chain is super cheap, obviously, if you've ever used Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain is dirt cheap. Uh, and then Matic compared to Binance Smart Chain is even more dirt cheap. So... Um, you know, it's pennies for transactions, sometimes even a fraction of a penny. Um, how has your, you know, both of you guys have used uh, Polygon pretty heavily. How is your, I know sometimes the, the nodes are shaky and, and the network can be, you know, interesting, but how has your experience been, been lately? Hey, Kat, what are you? I mean, honestly, it's really been a minute since I've, it's probably been at least weeks uh, since I've done anything, but for a good stretch, uh, especially in December, I was doing a lot of transactions and yeah, it's super cheap, um, but it definitely does have its Ethereum-like moments where the network gets jammed up and, you know, transactions are not really um, processing well. Um, I don't want to say worse than Binance Smart Chain because obviously Binance Smart Chain's had its moments, but that's usually during like flash crashes and stuff. So I would say that's the only thing I've noticed in regards to comparing it to Binance Smart Chain uh, is that when it does get uh, jammed up, it seems to like go like more like Ethereum status where the transactions take extended period. Um, Binance Smart Chain, that only happens really, you know, when you just have a complete blow up of everything on like a flash crash or something like that. So that's the only negative I've seen. But outside of that, it's a joy to work with uh, compared to Ethereum. And uh, like you said, cheap fees. So yeah, it is, it is super cheap, uh, which does invite that huge waves of volume sometimes if there's like arbitrage between different DEXs and things. Um, there was a, um, I forget the name of it, but there's one of the RPCs. So like if you, if, when you set up a new network on MetaMask, you put in the, the name of the thing, the chain ID, um, and you put in a, an RPC server where you're saying, you know, send transactions to this URL and um, they'll do all the grabbing and everything for you. Um, so Polygon, I, I think it's the Polygon Foundation is what it's called. Uh, they, uh, they made an auto-switching RPC to help load balance out the, uh, the nodes, which has helped a lot. It's not foolproof because uh, if the network is full and the blocks are full for every, for every, uh, for every, you know, every transaction, then they're just full and there's nothing to do about that. It doesn't matter what what kind of RPC you're using, but it has helped quite a bit. So, um, you know, the the downtimes and the stuff transactions and things have been a lot less over the past couple of months, um, at least since I've been using that. Uh, but still, it's it's you know any any EVM works the same way. You know, if if there's network congestion, you raise your gas, you spend more, and you get prioritized. And that's just how it works. 
I didn't know about that RPC. That's pretty cool. Um, in fact, yeah. you just made me think in terms of being prepped uh, for Polycub, I should uh, have more than one node. Like I don't even, I set it up so long ago. I'm still rocking the same one for forever. But yeah. if I needed to switch, I don't even know any to switch to. So I need to grab that list. Um, unlike with Binance Smart Chain, where you know, there's a handful just off the top of my head, I know. Yeah, and uh, I'll 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 dig it up. Um, not right the second. But, uh, oh, yeah, obviously, no. I'm just jumped on MetaMask to see what node I'm on. With uh, if it wants to connect, apparently connecting to Matic Mainnet Mainnet is not uh, processing right. This has happened like two or three times over the last couple months, uh, and they just conked out. Oops, something went wrong. Try again or switch networks. So whatever node I'm on, I've had this happen. This is the second time at least in the past month where it was just like hours where i couldn't even connect to the main net um from my metamask yeah that's definitely a bad note yeah so i definitely want to go to a different node before polycub because that would be no bueno when polycub launches for uh anybody so yeah that's just a heads up make sure you have multiple nodes um on the ready when polycub launches yeah i recently got a new one for phantom which was great because the, the note i had been using was terrible yeah, Phantom Ultimates is way, way better. The one uh, that I'm using has been okay. I don't know. I, I could, I'd have to look to remember what it is. But like when I did, when I jumped into that one NFT project, like I minted five NFTs with no problem. Yep. It's uh, transient. Uh, John oh, yeah. is asking though, uh, when a Cal Warrior legendary NFT is going to land similar to Waka Flocka? I don't know. I would love to so, do a collaboration with Splinterlands. So you guys probably don't know the news, uh, but this past uh, few days, um, Splinterlands is doing a collaboration with Waka Flocka, um, and there's going to be a new card uh, that's a summoner in the game, but also, I'm not sure exactly how this works technically, but also you can use that, that, that summoner to create a, a Snapchat filter. So you could, you could have like a uh, a Waka Flocka, like, you know, view on Snapchat of yourself. Um, there's going to be, it's a limited, it's a limited edition. They just actually released the, uh, the initial pricing today. There's, there's a thousand cards and um, to 500 will be for sale on Splinterlands. They're going to cost 5,000 SPS and plus 500 vouchers, which is the, the state coins that you get from, from staking SPS. And the other 500 will be sold on Vax Atomica um, with uh, no pricing on that. But uh, it's, a, it's an interesting, interesting deal. You know, he's a popular guy and, uh, you know, he, and he's into NFTs. Uh, he actually has a .eth address on his Twitter <laughs> as his uh, profile name. So, you know, they're doing stuff and um, hopefully I won't get shut out of the, uh, of the sale. <laughs> I mean, it's a good start in terms of uh, celebrities. I mean, he's, uh, he's probably B-level uh, hip hop uh, artist, but uh, he did have, you know, a hit song at some point. So uh, I think it's pretty cool and it can open the floodgate to, uh, to more. Especially uh, since their rival uh, Axie Infinity seems to be getting more and more press every day. Um, 
it's actually pretty crazy. And this group, this Facebook, this Axie Facebook groups now where like, you know, they're literally like turning it into community and play to earn and teaching people how to do it. And I don't know mm-hmm. how like their setup is. I get blasted all the time. There's like two, two different Axie groups on Facebook that like direct message me constantly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I literally respond with, yeah, that's cool, but I'm loaded up in, uh, I'm loaded up in splinter lands. And then they still text me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that's actually a good idea for somebody, anyone out there that, you know, does mess with Facebook, you should start a Facebook community um, based on Splinterlands um, to, you know, not only just grow the interest in Splinterlands, but also you can create some kind of community where there's at least a piece of it you can monetize, whether it's, you know, you know, teaching people how to play or whatever it is, uh, just uh, you create a guild. And that's well, a big thing that they're doing with Axie Infinity. Yeah, I think absolutely. that's what the one group it really it focuses on. Yeah, uh, and you know, YGG uh, Yield Guild Games, so hard to say, uh, is active and huge in in uh, in Axie is also active in Splinterlands, and they do the nice. whole, uh, you know, they uh, they'll hire people uh, or or let people play, you know, in like Philippines is a, is a big market for them. And um, yeah, Philippines so- is huge. That's all the articles about Axie. It's like 30, 35% of Axie players are in the Philippines. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, 30, 35 of their, basically 35% of the user base that plays. Yeah. Um, but if you're more passive, uh, so Vedev and I, another Splinterlands uh, whale, uh, we actually just launched our, um, our rental syndication, basically, where... <laughs> Rental syndication, interesting. Yeah, yeah so it's it, 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 it works the exact same way as a real estate syndication. You know, limited partners put in funds, we take those funds, we buy assets, we rent them out, the cash flow flows back to the partners. And, cool. uh, so if you are, it, it was forever with the lawyers and the banks and getting everything set up, but we're finally open. So if you are uh, an accredited US person and interested in making, you know, a whole ton of money in terms of cash flow plus appreciation potentially then you know let me know and we can, uh, we can get you sorted on that so what you're saying is i could have skipped x chaos and just done this instead <laughs> you still can x chaos huh. still gives you uh still gives you plenty of cash flow oh yes well i'm just joking about the cards i own because like either a i'm just going to hold them and sell them for a profit at some point or b i'm gonna have to figure out how to do the renting myself well, no, I mean, even without the renting, you're getting DEC every day. And- oh, no, I know that. I'm just saying my packs, like putting them yeah, to yeah. use at some point. So, yeah. but obviously- so currently, the packs are better left unopened um, unless, unless you're really active uh, because you're getting a premium for the SPS airdrop. Oh, yeah. That's my game plan is to just hodl. Question, my deck if, you, and hodl. if you're holding X Chaos, do you have to claim any airdrops like SPS? Uh, so for X Chaos, no. So uh, if you hold X Chaos in your wallet that you can see on Leo Dex, uh, you're getting DEC sent to you directly every day, and that's just automatic. For the actual Chaos packs that you received by holding X Chaos, those SPS you have to claim inside Splinterlands in order to actually get the SPS. Interesting. So that is actually a claim drop you've got to go through every day. You don't have to claim every day, but it's... It just it's claim, it's, yeah, it just accumulates daily. Uh, the snapshots are roughly 11 to 11.30 Eastern every day in the morning. 
And um, then, uh, yeah, so you're earning several different ways uh, with, with the XP offset. Because also those DEC are adding to your balance and that adds to your SPS rate. That's interesting. So I'm a Splinterlands noob, but I own X Chaos. Um, so I did not know that about the SPS airdrop. So I've okay. got free money apparently. Free money. I don't. I don't. I don't think anybody minds free money. You know. Yeah. No. no. I mean, because it's we're getting airdropped airdropped in deck, right? Well, yeah. So from XKS, you're getting DEC. From yes. Splinterlands, you're getting SPS. Yeah, yeah no, I knew I, it's just the first part because honestly, I. I forget to even check my deck balance. Once in a while, I look, I'm like, is that number different? I think it's different. I'll just well, assume that Neil is giving me my airdrops. Yeah, you're, you're good. Um, but it's actually, you, 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 you know, the, the greatest crypto trading strategy is Sahara, right? So you have unwittingly um, gone through what will probably be the lows in SPS. Uh, because since, since Friday, when we had this announcement uh, with the Waka Flocka, Summoner, SPS and vouchers have both been rising uh, significantly. So, um, so if you claim now, then it's a much more interesting price than it was just a week ago. I think we're up like twenty five percent from last week. Don't hate me, but over the last three weeks, I've been selling uh, my earned SPS and my vouchers uh, for. Swap Hive to buy more Leo as I stack Liquid Leo for P Leo staking. Okay. On the soon soon when Poly Cub. <laughs> so you know, uh, important to, important reminder that the um, that you know if you're holding Cub, we get a sixty day airdrop of Poly Cub when that goes live. Well, sorry, not holding Cub, but staking Cub. Right. Staking Cub. 60-day airdrop when it launches in the Wensoon universe. Stake your cub. Stake that cub. I would expect to be a positive catalyst on price. Yeah, well, if you were watching what happened to Splinterlands when they launched SPS, it's a very... Actually, we're using the same contract that they used, so it is uh, essentially the same thing, but for cub. Yes, but the question is, is our community as strong as the Splintlands community? We're stronger. Now, Mike D saying he just tripled his Leo stack a few minutes ago. Now that might be going nice. from one to three. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Will there be more Polycup airdrop at the beginning of the project to support participation in the LP or will it be linear over a period of time? So the way the way Polycub works is is pretty interesting. So the, the airdrop is only for cub holders. So it's literally just all going the, the initial airdrop is all going to cub holders over 60 days and it's got a daily snapshot. So um, you know, I think I think a lot of people when it, I think when it's announced, a lot of people are gonna rush out. There's gonna be like a, a you know, like a gold rush on on cub to to stake it as much as you can. And uh, I was talking to Neil a little bit about this before we started recording, but there's going to be a few other interesting changes to the to the tokenomics of Cub. So we're we're implementing an incentive pendulum uh, on Cub, which is very similar to the Thorchain model. You know, actually, I just kind of borrowed it from them, um, and uh, and it's going to basically swing in favor of of the kingdom. So I think there's going to be this gold rush on Cub where people go out and 
and you know buy as much as I can for the airdrop because um, obviously that's that's everybody loves the free money so that um, and then there's going to be you know the the uh, incentive pendulum getting integrated is going to in my opinion it's going to take a lot of people you know when you combine that incentive pendulum with the fact that there's an airdrop at the same time what's going to happen is a lot of the Cub USD and Cub BNB LPs are going to quickly liquidate their position and take the other side, the BUSD or the BNB and buy Cubs. So that now they're in, you know, they were 50-50 in Cub. Now they're 100% in Cub and they'll go into the kingdom uh, for that high APY plus airdrop. Um, so there's going to be an interesting factor there. Um, and then, uh, you know, to answer that question, long-term, the the staking, you know, the staking for ex-PolyCub or the staking for PolyCub is ex-PolyCub where uh, you're getting APY just like the Cub Kingdom. Um, so there's a PolyCub Kingdom where you're getting that APY from inflation, but then you're also getting the ex-PolyCub rewards, uh, which are kind of similar to the Ellipsis uh, staking model where, um, you know, everyone who's in kingdoms is earning PolyCub yield. And if they, they can harvest that yield whenever they want, but if they harvest it, before the unlock period, um, then they get a penalized. Uh, they they get penalized on their yield. Um, so uh, I'm trying to pull it up while I'm talking. But uh, essentially, that that 50% penalty on that yield before it's unlocked um, is then paid out to um, anyone who's sitting in the ex polycup kingdom, um, and that that essentially creates this this kind of multi layered reward where. Um, where you're earning from inflation, but then you're also earning from the yield harvested from other users who want their payout instantly. Um, so you're kind of taking Polycub out of the hands of any short-term farmers who are just trying to get their yield right away and sell it. Um, and you're redistributing it back into the long-term holders who are sitting in ex-Polycub and, and obviously want more Polycub um, and want to earn yield. Um, and, I, and going back to what I was talking about before, I think they'd buy into the vision of Polycub's tokenomics being kind of like Bitcoin in the long run, where, you know, eventually that protocol owned liquidity and the inflation rate are flipping each other. Um, so I think a lot of those long-term thinkers will be sitting in the ex-Polycub kingdom and obviously earning a high yield, um, both from the early inflation and from the, um, the harvesting penalties. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, in terms of early incentives. Um, so, so that's my, my opinion is that the incentives to stake X poly, stake polycub into X polycub are extremely high in the beginning. And, and obviously in the long run, if you pay attention to how protocol and liquidity works, but I am going to drop a alpha screenshot for discord. Um, I don't think I've dropped this anywhere before, but in this one, you can see um, the polycub, this is like the polycub harvesting, uh, module. And you can see that you, there's multiple claims. So you can, um, obviously similar to cub, you, there's cub waiting to be hard. There's polycub waiting to be harvested. Um, but then there's also locked and unlocked polycub. And if you, if you have locked polycub, um, you can wait the, for the unlock period to claim that with no penalty, or you can instantly unlock it. Um, and then obviously it'll show you how much your penalty is. Um, but you can, you can claim the locked and then take the penalty, or you can just claim your unlocked as it gets unlocked. So, um, obviously it's, it's continuously getting unlocked over time. Um, so 
definitely interesting. It's an interesting model. It's it's what I really wanted to build for Cub, but it was just it was a little it was a little too complex at the time when we launched Cub. So um, this model has become a lot more refined uh, with all the time we spent building it. Yeah, I'm a fan. It was not some eye candy, and the uh, the tripling was four thousand to eleven thousand apparently. So not not one to three. Wow. <laughs> That's, that's solid numbers. Yeah, uh, definitely. So basically, um, I'm sticking by my sitting in the Cub Kingdom. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you and me both. I'm, I don't have a choice. I'm too far gone, too far deep uh, for too long. <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense to change now. If I was going to make any change. I need to do that up at like a dollar. So, I, I mean, I think you still have, uh, you definitely still have Cub USD uh, as well, though. I've got, I got a little bit. Uh, vast majority are in Cub Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, my vast majority is definitely in the kingdom, but I still have a nice chunk. Actually, dollar, dollar wise, maybe it's not that far off. Um, but in terms of number of Cub tokens, yeah, like it's not even close. In fact, what is it? It's probably like. In terms of number of cub tokens, it is probably a three to one ratio. Oh, I'm, I'm way more extreme than that. Yeah. I think having Zoom and then six browsers open is kind of slowing down my machine. It happens from time to time. <laughs> Must have logged into two other computers. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Dens. No, not Dens. Farms. Let's see. Details. Yeah, I have no idea from the, uh, the number of LP tokens how many, how much cub I have in the cub BNB. Oh, I still just look at the uh, the LP thing, the my LP uh, site. Oh, does that still work? It still works for the farms, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I use that all the time. Like when I'm doing like kind of just like month end review, I'll pull that and then the kingdoms obviously gives you all the information. Interesting. Wow. I uh, was unaware that holding X Chaos got me an SPS airdrop and uh, just logged in and it's $3,500 with the SPS. There you go. Free money. Don't say I never did anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> never will. That's that's great. I love free money. Throw that into some cub. There you go. There you go. Yep. More and more cub. More and more. I got some stable uh, four belt uh, money. I could always just uh, yolo into cub. Yeah. I might have already done that back up at like 47 cents <laughs> oops but there's more now in the four belts there was an infusion yeah i've, I've got about 50 times more in the cup kingdom than i do in cup bnb jesus well you have very little in the lp then yeah because i mean i have a rough guesstimate of what your kingdom size is so <laughs> I have definitely more on the LP than you do. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I did that backwards. I you and me both. I staked in, in the kingdom and then was putting some profits into the LP. I probably should have done LP, taking profits, putting in the kingdom. But it is what it is. I mean, honestly, though, that wasn't a bad move because that means if you were doing that, you were selling half into, B- into BUSD. Yeah. Which means you were selling pretty much, you know, on the way down. So that's actually right. a good thing. Well, but again, it was 50 to 1. So you know, I didn't yes, do it enough. So, very so. Little. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so what's next on, on the charts, Kat? I mean, we'll see. Uh, Bitcoin's kind of doing what I said I would love to see in terms of sort of like a bullish move. And, you know, we pulled back and what did it get to like 41.5, I think. It didn't even get to 40. And we're bouncing. We got a green candle today. And if we make a run at that 45K, I just think you got kind of, you know, step one, two, three in terms of price action going from super bearish to bullish, at least in like the, you know, near to short term, which, you know, is like, let's say like now for like, one you know one week to three months like you know swing trade type uh um because obviously we're not in like a long-term uh longer term uptrend so to speak um but yeah i i looked this morning i was like oh snap looks like i might be taking an l on that short hedge which whatever i don't care because obviously it's only like 10 percent of my bitcoin holdings so it's a it's still a win yeah, I actually, uh, with all this uh, rumors going around over the past, uh, since I guess Friday or Thursday, um, with you know people saying, oh, the Fed is going to have a surprise rate hike and everything, I actually moved most of my uh, stuff over to stables for the weekend. You had mentioned that in Discord, and I was like, huh, that is a aggressive conservative move. <laughs> <laughs> it is super conservative. And if I miss out on a couple points of, of market gains, is that okay for me? Um, I did not. I considered it when I saw you say it, but I did not do anything. And thus far, there's been no magic rate hike. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Well, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it play out today, and then uh, if there's no no announcements and no bearish surprises, then I'll I'll head back in. But uh, you know, super easy. It only took me ten minutes to liquidate everything, uh, in at least of the things I was going to liquidate. Um, on like you know three or four different chains so. <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh you know obviously and that's the thing too i mean if there was this like emergency rate hike or whatever you know that would obviously tank the stock market at least on that given day that it happens which is going to impact crypto it just is what it is i mean yep. forget about like how correlated shit is or not it's just News that is not, uh, you know, bullish in terms of, you know, easy free money is going to drag down any market that requires capital influx to appreciate. Um, so I was worried about that. And I'm even worried about the March rate hike and how that's going to impact crypto because I just don't see at least, let's just say it happens this year, hypothetically. Hypothetically, they raise rates, stock market is lousy for the rest of the year, right? I don't see how that doesn't have a negative impact on crypto. Now, over time, yeah, maybe crypto will get looked at more as a alternative investment or a hedge or whatever, you know, flight to safety. I just don't see that in the near term. Um, I would think we'd see a, a pullback in crypto before maybe people look at it that way. We're like, well, shit, this is cheap. And, you know, you have all these other positive aspects of it that aren't fiat, right? 
I don't, I don't think that mass transition has really happened. So um, sadly, I'm rooting for the stock market to continue going up because I don't think crypto is going to continue to go up if the stock market is going down, at least this year. I think that's fair. Yeah, which again, in the end, is just my complete opinion. So how much of today's, you know, we've got a solid green candle at the moment. Um, there's still a few hours to go before, charts. before uh, this candle closes. How much of this is from the Canada news with uh, they're going to start seizing bank accounts and stuff? Ooh, maybe. I didn't think, I, I don't, Canada, that's still, that's still a country. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's me. That's that, that's me channeling my inner. I watched too much How I Met Your Mother the other night and uh, <laughs> Barney Stinson always clowning on Canada. <laughs> oh, Canada's awesome, actually. Yes. I don't mind all, all the Canadians that are visiting Florida right now. You're all very nice people. It's true. I'll um, trade you guys out for my Floridians. <laughs> yeah, so um, for anybody who's building under a rock, you know, there's the whole trucker protest thing going on. Yeah. And uh, over, was it yesterday, the day before? I don't know. Um, so Trudeau enacted, there's some emergency powers law that they have in Canada. It basically is saying that, you know, I, there will eventually be parliament oversight, but until then, he's, you know, he's Emperor Palpatine. He can do whatever he wants. Um, so the bank accounts of people who are protesters or people who have sent more than $25, uh, I'm assuming that's Canadian dollars, uh, to the protesters, uh, then they're, they're saying they, they can seize or freeze your bank accounts, uh, which is, you know, a pretty strong move. Um, you know, say <laughs> they said they, they have the power to, uh, I don't think we've actually followed through yet. Um, but freezing the accounts of people who donated is like super aggressive. And uh, obviously Twitter's lighting up, you know, crypto Twitter is saying, it's like, well, you know, this is, this is why crypto. And, you know, they said, oh yeah, we're going to freeze crypto accounts too. But obviously they have no actual power to do that. Um, and, you know, being counter uh, you know, against the man is kind of what, uh, what Bitcoin and crypto was invented for. So, yeah. Um, you know, if you're going through a centralized portal and donating to some kind of crypto fund like that, then that can be shut down potentially. But if you, if somebody just has a wallet and you have a wallet and you send funds, then not a thing they can do about it. So, um, indeed. So a lot of uh, like my free my free BTC is in great publicity for crypto. Oh, one hundred percent. With a little sweating man icon. <laughs> so you know it's um it's interesting times. Oh, uh, so we should probably talk about uh, you know the greatest uh, advertising that crypto got uh, since its inception, and that was yesterday uh, Sunday with the Super Bowl, and you know multiple commercials. Um, apparently Coinbase crushed it so bad with their yeah. most boring commercial ever <laughs> with a floating QR code that literally like crashed their site because they got so much influx. Yeah. Um, yeah. so who needs celebrities when you could just put up a floating QR code lesson learned. We need to do that for, uh, for Cub and, and Leo somehow just put a floating so I, QR code. Yeah. So I was watching that and I, that's literally what ran through my head is why, why didn't we, you know, why didn't we do that? Um, 
so maybe uh, next Super Bowl you may uh, I shouldn't even say maybe probably pretty confident next Super Bowl you'll see a little uh, little something like that for Leo. Oh yeah, we're gonna start raising something. We're gonna start raising the millions now for the yeah. uh, ad space. Fifteen seconds, yeah. like what is it now? I remember it used to be a mill, but that was like years ago. So it's probably like multiple millions for a thirty second spot. I might be wrong about this, but I think Coinbase paid three point five million for their uh, six. They had a sixty second spot. Nice. Well, that sounds I way too low, right? Yeah, it I sounds low, that in, but I thought that's what I. No, nah, I could see that. I mean, I remember when it was a million, but that was like a decade ago. So yeah, a lot of inflation the, since then. According to this random article I found, a uh, thirty second uh, ad was the average was five point six million. Okay. Like I said, I, I mean, I mentioned that in Discord about Hive. I'm like, we should crowdfund a Hive Super Bowl ad spot because it would be totally worth the return on investment. Yeah. Although Hive would probably need to be on more centralized servers, though, like uh, exchanges, because like, yeah, it's great. I mean, Super Bowls watch worldwide, but the big chunk of the audience is the US and you really can't buy Hive outside of like Bitrix, which seems to have wallets down all the time. Um, so that's the biggest thing. I mean, as much as it's, you know, decentralized is awesome and all that stuff. And that's great. And five years from now, that's going to be a place to be. But right now, if you want to like bring in, you know, a mass amount of money in, in a short period of time, if it's not on a centralized server, it's very difficult to do. We're, so with the new Leo, just to kind of tie that into the Leo Dex update, with the new Leo Dex update, we are adding, um, obviously we're adding some ThorChain features. One of the interesting things is going to be the, the Leo Bridge build out. And, and, you know, I don't know when this is going to happen, so I'm not going to put a date on it, but the Leo Bridge build out is going to include something where you, when Wrap Leo is on, on ThorChain, you'll be able to send, it'll have a swap page and you'll be able to send in uh, you know, any asset. So kind of like how Leo Bridge looks now, but obviously with the improved UX, um, you'll be able to send, like, let's just say you want to swap native Bitcoin for Hive. You could you could input native Bitcoin and output Hive. And Hive obviously isn't on ThorChain, but it is going to be connected through Leo Bridge. So what you'll be able to do is swap Bitcoin in and that Bitcoin will get routed through ThorChain, output wrapped Leo, that wrapped Leo will, will be unwrapped into Leo and then swapped through the diesel pool into swap.hive, then migrated into Hive and sent to your wallet. Um, so it'll be, but for the user, it'll be as simple as here's the address to send Bitcoin to. You click swap, it sends your Bitcoin to that address, your native Bitcoin or Ethereum or, uh, you know, Luna will eventually be on ThorChain, all those, uh, uh, all those different currencies. You'll be able to send in and then the output, uh, it'll just say, put your output Hive account address. So you put, you know, at Scaredy Cat Guide, and then it'll just go right to that account uh, as Hive. And, uh, and that's obviously the vision of uh, Leo Bridge and, and Leo Dex. That's awesome. But that's, that, well, my, my point was that Hive will be a lot easier to buy when you could just send people to Leo Dex and say, here, you can just buy it right now with native Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, uh, Luna, Dogecoin, all sorts of. Uh, so when, when you're doing a transaction like that, do you need any room for gas or they just take it out of the Bitcoin? Uh, they take it out of the Bitcoin. So you don't need any, you don't need any gas. Um, it's just kind of, kind of taken out of uh, your input currency. 
So the the U the UX will be ridiculously simple. Literally send Bitcoin in and you get your output uh, within like a minute or two. Yeah. Just gotta have that progress bar so they know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we definitely have I have a, a cool UI built out um, you know, in, in design um, for for Leo Bridge. So we'll be working on all that. Awesome. Right. I think we're all caught up on questions. Uh, people saying tons of people watch Super Bowl ads even if they don't enjoy American football, at least in Europe. Absolutely. I mean, even in America, people just watch it for the commercials. I'd say almost 50% of people that watch the Super Bowl are watching it for the commercials. <laughs> like nine, nine out of 10 women that watch the Super Bowl are watching it for the, commer the commercials. Yep. Uh, let's see, we got a question about Cub bonding contract upgrades. What, what's up is saying at your sexist comments, man. Uh, <laughs> it'll be better to be in the kingdoms versus the Cub LP farms because additional yield gained from short-term profit takers cashing out before locking period is taken over. I think that's what the X... Uh, the ex-polygon lockup stuff. Where is that question? Uh, it's on YouTube. Um, I'm just trying to read it. It was a long, long one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Is that from Roland? Yeah. It better be in the cup team versus the cup LP funds. Um, yeah, so I, that first question seems like it's it's kind of related to impermanent loss. Um, so, um, yeah, if you and Addicted has written a lot of posts about this, I'm sure someone can can dig up the ones he's he's you know done deep dives into. But um, essentially, if you expect the Cub price to to moon um, on the Polycub launch, then being in the Cub LPs will be uh, detrimental to you because. Um, uh, obviously, you know, you have, you have impermanent loss on the upside. Um, the thing that could save you is, is, uh, you also have a permanent loss on the downside, which, uh, can hedge you against the price going down. But I think pretty much all of us believe that the price is going to go up with the launch of Polycub. Um, so, so yeah, being in the kingdoms will technically be more profitable than the LP farms provided that everybody's right. And, and Polycub goes up or that cup goes up on the Polycub launch. So, um, that will be interesting. Also the, you know, obviously we're implementing, so this kind of goes in your second question. Maybe it's the pendulum situation that may take place because if the majority of folks get out of the LPs, remaining holders will get more yield. Yeah, so this is the interesting thing that we're implementing. So we're implementing the liquidity uh, pendulum that, that ThorChain uses for their node operators and their LPs. We're implementing it for farm LPs and kingdom stakers. So uh, essentially there's a lot of liquidity in the farms right now, and we're going to swing that pendulum toward the kingdoms, uh, so that the cub kingdom gets, gets a higher APY. Um, and what that's going to incentivize is going to incentivize LPs to take out their funds and move it to the kingdom. And since we're coupling that, that feature going live with the exact day of polycub going live, uh, and the airdrop going live, um, what I expect to see is a lot of LPs will just take their position, 
and convert it all into Cub. So they've got 50-50. Uh, they'll convert it all into Cub and then they'll move it all into the kingdom. And, and like you're saying, you know, that will actually create a, that will actually incentivize the APY on, on the farms to be even higher because now you've got less competition. Um, so it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting rebalancing of the whole platform. And the, there is a purpose in rebalancing it on the day that Polycub goes live. And, uh, and it kind of creates that exponential momentum. Yeah, it should be an exciting time. So I know you're not going to give a date, uh, but can we get a can we get a range or a window? Um, so I, you said you said you think the dev work from from the audit results is like one to three days. You got to send that back to Certi K. They've got to review it, and then they'll get back to you with a final kind of report. So let's say that's all. What a week? Is that fair? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's fair to say that it will take I think it's fair to say that by Friday or Saturday at the latest, we're going to have our so like I said, they gave us our, their preliminary report with the 29 um, the 29 issues that they'd like us to solve. And then what we're, we're already working on it now, um, we're going to give them back a report that has our solution to all 29 of their points. Um, and a lot of that, I'd say actually the majority of that is they just want information. So they just want like a paragraph of text that they can add to their website and their report and say, we asked them this question and this is their response. Um, so that stuff is very easy. It won't take long. Um, the Actually, the critical issues, I was just talking to the dev while we were on here. Criti the critical issues have actually already been solved. So those, uh, what were there? There were two of them, right? Uh, the two critical issues that they outlined, we've actually already resolved. So those were probably the most time intensive ones. So it just kind of goes to show that the, the, the 29 things that they came up with are very quick, just kind of uh, punch list items that we just go through and, and hammer out very quickly. So um, if I were to put a rough timeline on it, <laughs> which I always get myself into trouble with, but um, you know, it, it's not going to take us more than three days to get all this stuff done. And then basically then we're handing it back to Certi K and then however long it takes them to give us back their finalized report and post it on their website, then we'll be good to go. Uh, the UI is ready. Um, the back end is ready. Um, you know, the contracts are ready to be deployed once we make their little changes that they want. Um, and then once their audit goes live, that really is our, that's our launch checklist. Um, obviously the, the airdrop contract is the same as SPS. We've tested it and everything, it, it all works fine. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so, so everything, everything is in place for launch. So, okay. uh, so follow up. Uh, so everything's close. Um, everything is so, very soon. Very soon. <laughs> so how much lead time are we going to get from an announcement post to launch? Interesting question. Uh, that is subject to the calendar. Uh, it has not been decided. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, I, it won't be, I, I would say it won't be more than we're, I'm not going to give, we're not going to give much of a heads up. It's going to be less than 72 <laughs> hours. So it, there's not going to be mean, a okay, so The so point is let's create first. a lot of hype in a very short period of time. We want to condense all that hype. So it's not like la we did do a, a hype up post a while ago and it's because I expected certificate to be a lot faster and they, and they just didn't live up to that. So, um, I'm not gonna make that mistake again. So we'll we'll have a very short window for the hype, 
uh, it'll be like 72 hours and then it's, it's live go time, which you, yeah. So, I mean, the smart play is when you know you're good to go at that point, announce and then whatever it is time frame you're going to do 48 hours or whatever it is right. but yeah you should have at least some window so you have some time to build some hype you get the word out and then it takes whatever it is you know you have a day or two for that word to spread i mean yep. there's also there's also the stealth launch you know method uh yeah where people just freak out yeah so i mean the the great thing about stealth launches is that the people who are on it and they get in on, on those early times you know make huge returns right? yes um, you know, uh, an, an announced, you know, launch is way more fair. <laughs> but, you know, do we want fair? I don't know. <laughs> All I want is more capital in it. So, uh, you know, if hyping it a couple of days in advance is going to bring in f- some fresh capital, I'll take that and, you know, I guess let go of the first mover advantage. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you know, this this whole thing's been in the works for what, six months, eight months, something like that. So if you haven't stacked Cub by now, then. Well, but that again, is within, <laughs> that's, that's within the community. You right, know what I that, mean? Is that is true. So we want to we wanna essentially poach people from other, uh, other DeFi communities even. So, and bring, and, and possibly bring fresh people in, but those people probably aren't going to be jumping in day one, like people that aren't already investing in some kind of DeFi platform because it's the yeah. learning curve. But and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know why. I feel like me bringing people onto Polycub is going to be easier than Binance. And I don't know why that makes any sense at all, because you really have to go through the same motions. But that's I don't not know. true. Um, I think Coinbase now has direct withdrawals to with Matic, right? Not when I last did it. No. Wait, wait what is it? Coinbase? Yeah. Coinbase. They have Matic, but it's ERC20 Matic. That no, could have you, changed recently. I think it did. I don't know. We'll see. I hope it did because I thought that was the case. And then when I saw it wasn't, I was like, well, this is useless. Yeah, because if you can do Matic direct, Polygon Matic, oh my God. I just basically got rid of the biggest roadblock for all the newbies. I believe that is the case. Check it, check it out. Last time I bought Matic, and it was only a few weeks ago. <laughs> Tony says Hive Engine has medic withdrawals. It does. That is true. Uh, it does say ERC20. I could have sworn that it was. I did it. You know what? I'm going to log on my Coinbase to see how long ago it was. I bought a bunch of Matic and I transferred it out. And I'm pretty sure I had to do the dance. I don't understand why these centralized exchanges just can't get on board. Like, I understand the Binance thing, like, whatever. But Matic, that makes no sense. Yeah, I can't tell from my screen. Oh, no, they don't support it. Cat was right. Uh, I thought I read that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm surprised they don't support it. No, they fake you out with that stuff. That's how Voyager got me. Voyager made it like they supported Matic, and I did a test transaction and basically just lost some Matic. I was like, yeah, you guys need to reword the way you guys uh, have this, these posts listed because it makes it sound like you guys handle Polygon based Matic. Yeah. Yeah, Well, for them, it's it's free money. I mean, you sent sent your (laughs) Polygon Matic to them and they just get to keep it. Pretty much. And like an, like, like an idiot, I like my test transaction for some reason, I did like a hundred dollars worth of Matic. I'm like, why would I send that much on a test transaction? (laughs) 
I guess because I thought it was good. Oh, this is interesting. So I'm logging on to Coinbase for the first time since I guess before the Super Bowl, and uh, I got to sign their updated user agreement. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh wow. I haven't been on Coinbase in two weeks. <laughs> Apparently, that's the last time I onboarded a bunch of money. I guess I will just accept blindly, like we do with all these things. <laughs> sign your life. Is away. this still your information? Yeah, so they're saying that uh, check USDC as uh, if they withdraw to Polygon. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, I, I, I'm not sure that Polygon is going to be any easier to onboard than Binance Smart Chain. That was my point. I thought it would be, and then I thought about it. I'm like, nope, same issues. Um, I think the only thing it might be easier just because everyone's comfortable with Ethereum and people think of Polygon as this like sister chain of Ethereum. But in the end, you're still going to have to go on something like um, any swap or whatever and use the router to switch from Ethereum based to Matic based, just like you do with Binance Smart Chain. So, and that wouldn't be a problem if gas fees weren't so stupid. So it's like, hey, you know, you're going to invest some money. You can, you know, get it into these cryptos where you can stake for high yield, except for you're basically going to lose like, 10, 15% of your funds going in because you have to flip out of Ethereum. That's the big turnoff. Hopefully not that much. I don't know. It seems like it's always like 10%. <laughs> uh, although I was reading an article the other day and uh, it seemed like it was pretty positive for, uh, it was a big step for proof of uh, stake Ethereum. What was that? I forget exact details, but the gist of it was whatever the change that was just happening was going to de-incentivize uh, incentivize, uh, valid validators. Um, like, like it was going to motivate them to want to switch to proof of stake because the proof of work was going to like cost them more money or cut into their profits or whatever it was. So I was like, sweet, yes, make whatever change you got to push your validators to the other side. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, well, guys, uh, I've got a call here uh, that I got to jump on in a few minutes, so I guess we should probably wrap it up. I don't. Yeah, we got some stuff. Yeah, I got a call too, so I'd like to have a few minutes beforehand. Yeah, sounds good. I think we got all the questions. So, yep. I think we got some hype going for Polycub. Cubs a price bit. is up fourteen percent. It's imminent. I mean. In fact, maybe I should start a uh, over/under wager for uh, on on the. Uh, I already forgot the name of that damn site that no one uses. <laughs> double up. Yes, double up. Over/under over/under one week. Yeah. There are some people. What was it? I don't know if it was Tony or someone said they were betting on it being uh, launched right before Tuesday's AMA. And I was like, well, if it is, all you're going to do is be watching the cat with his head down, clickety clacketing <laughs> uh, live because I'll be making sure I'm getting in my stuff. Yeah, for sure. Which is going to be an interesting decision for people because, um, you know, outside of stacking some Matic and Leo to stake, I don't really have any other fresh capital. So I'm either going to have to pull from stable pool on Cub or so it's going to be interesting to see how much money gets pulled from Cub. Uh, and, and transition to Polycub from our community because uh, I know there's a lot of people that are loaded up on Cub DeFi that don't have any you know fresh capital to bring in. So you have that dilemma, investment dilemma decision. Yep. Which uh, the yields should yields? I, I expect yields to pop on uh, Cub DeFi. Could be that they will. We'll have to keep an eye. 
<laughs> yes, it will be fun. Cool. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll catch All you right. next week. Maybe have an announcement, possibly. Big announcement. Eventually. On Tuesday. Someone can create a meme. There you go. <laughs> All right. We'll catch All you guys right. later. See you guys. Take See care. You.